ready now? Now I will say welcome to Book Squad Goals. Um, this is Mary. I picked this book that we are going to talk about today, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Yeah! I'm going to mess up her name because I have to mess it up every single time that I say it. I I had the book around here somewhere, but now it's disappeared. More importantly, we also want to welcome Leah Rachel Von Essen, friend of the pod and the mind behind while reading and walking. Thank you for having me. You may remember Leah from our Freshwater episode and from her amazing Anastasia post on our blog. We've got to get her back for another. By the end of this podcast, we're going to think of something else for her. We'll have figured out the next thing for you. I wasn't here for that episode, so it's nice to meet you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Leah, this is Susan. (laughs) I'll look. A mess. We, I know we have an extra person this season. <laughs> hey, I'm not extra. I'm usually here. <laughs> you had minus one that time. I know. Uh, no, I was I was calling you extra mm. in the other way. I don't know if that fits either, but I'm down for it. I'm going to be extra tonight. I think. I don't think Susan would be the most extra <laughs> of our group. Yeah. Um. I dried my hair before this, so I feel very extra. Now. <laughs> Right I haven't now. washed my hair in over a week. <laughs> I've done the least today. Well, you know, I just thought, so I, I took a shower before this, and I thought, I could do wet hair, but we have a guest <laughs> today, so. <laughs> yeah, you're like wearing, Leah are you wearing a dress, the Emily? Full look. No, you're wearing a shirt. No, I have a shirt and jeans okay. on, see? I can't, I cannot put jeans on, I just can't I be bothered. Can't I, see, I will just sleep all day if I'm not wearing real clothes. I gotta prop myself up like I'm an actual human being. Yeah. So sometimes I'll sleep all day if I'm wearing real clothes. Yeah. So I really like <laughs> prop yourself up like you are a, a dead body being brought back from the grave. Perhaps? Like weekend at Bernie's? Oh wait, no, you meant like oh, this book. that's no. a different episode. <laughs> this no, this book is us moving one step closer to talking about weekend at Bernie's. This this wow, is our yes, I knew it. This is the closest <laughs> I could we get that. to that. Um, I do have an introduction question. Mm, okay, uh, the book the book starts <laughs> with what I think is a very catchy line. It begins in the myriadic year of our Lord, the ten thousandth year of the King Undying, the kindly Prince of Death. Gideon Nav packed her sword, her shoes, and her dirty magazines, and she escaped from the House of the Ninth. So my question is, what three things would you bring with you if you were planning to run away? Let our guests go first. I'm glad I'm more prepared than last time I had to answer a question first on this podcast because I was totally unprepared for that question. Um, I was not ready. Um, okay. We, all of us yeah. are often I, prepared. I mean, so oh, I know. did write I'm unprepared for this one. And I'm not prepared I just had, like, <laughs> to answer I had, like, no answer for that one. But this one, mm-hmm. I have an answer. This one, um, I would, if I have to choose one book, and one of my items can't be many books, then mm. it would probably be my signed copy of American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Ooh. That one will keep me busy for a while. Nice. Plus it's one of my signed ones, mm-hmm. so it's precious. And then I'd bring a journal, and then I'd probably bring my stuffed animal, Lavender Bear, otherwise known as Big Butt Bear, because he's a teddy bear <laughs> with a butt that's full of lavender. 
Oh, um, yeah. And as he's been worn down over the years, he's gotten steadily more bottom heavy. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Sounds hot, actually. Me too, though. <laughs> I feel that. I too. I've gotten worn down. <laughs> the older I get, the more my butt gets filled with lavender. I guess I'll go. This is Kelly. <laughs> um, I haven't really thought about this. Uh, am I allowed to bring my cat? Yes. I feel like she probably wouldn't like it, though, so I probably wouldn't bring her. Um, Let's just go ahead that. and say, like, we probably all would bring our <laughs> just pet. Just put Penelope in a baby so, viewer. Like, that's given, yeah. and this is, like, three other things. Yeah. Okay, okay. The pets are in the uh, carrier waiting. Yeah. Yeah, waiting yes. to go with us. Cool. Um, uh, I guess I'm trying to think, like, what book I would bring. Well, the Bible. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Dirty magazines. So. Dirty magazines. Fuck. I'm, like, looking around my room. A journal seems like a good idea. Mm -hmm. I'd probably bring, like, a sketchbook, like, an unlined journal. um, And, like, uh, a pen hopefully would count with the journal as one item. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's just Yeah, it's got a pen attached. It's, like, on the side. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like tied to the journal. Um, I'm stalling, <laughs> clearly, just looking around. I don't know. I'm looking around like, what we got in here? <laughs> uh, oh, maybe I would bring um, a guitar so that I could learn <laughs> to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a guitar, so I'd bring that with me. Um, and I would, I would use this few skills that I have and try to refine them. And then I would bring uh uh can I can I bring a laptop? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm bringing my laptop. I assume that this <laughs> wherever I'm going has Wi-Fi, yeah. so. Mhm. You wouldn't be going there if it didn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, why would exactly. I run why would I, why would no I do that? That seems dumb. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll go real quick. So okay. That's it. Uh I would bring my Nintendo Switch. Most portal, nice. most por- portable mm-hmm. of video games. Mm-hmm. I would bring my ukulele. Mm-hmm. And I would bring maybe my copy of my copy of Area X. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if nice. I could find it. You still haven't found it? Still haven't found Did it. Did you lend it's it to somewhere someone in maybe? this room? Uh, we're trying to figure out if I lent it to Todd or not. Uh, I don't think I did, though. I might have. Yeah. I feel like you should have a sign-out sheet for that I book should. if you're going to. Because I do yeah. lend it out <laughs> as a prophet of Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> 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 write, write me back and give me a advanced copy of his YA novel publishing. Well, you know, they're kind of busy right now, probably. Yeah, everybody's kind of just shut down right now, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I guess I'll go. This is Emily. Um, So, I don't know why I made this rule about the cats, because originally I was going to bring both my cats and count it as two items, so now I've got to come up with, like, two more things. But definitely... (laughs) Ice coffee. Do you have an endless supply or do you just bring one nice coffee with you? <laughs> I guess it's an endless supply. Look, did you know that is I can't 
clarification. Here's my thing about leaving the house. I can't really leave the house without stopping somewhere to get an iced coffee. So... Um, I mean, this is all a fantasy right now anyway, because we yeah. can't leave the house. Right. I've saved so much money on iced coffee. Yeah, I just want to see the sunshine. <laughs> I've saved so much money on iced coffee not leaving my house, but I actually did just purchase a like cold brew nice. pitcher thing, so we're going to see how that works. Um, I think it'll work well. Yeah. Anyway, so that's one thing. Um, I would probably also bring my stuffed pua from Moana because I do actually take him on lots of adventures with me normally. And, you know, Pua didn't get to go with Moana on her adventure. So Pua can come with me on my adventure. So I was felt really <laughs> sad about that. And then I guess we're all doing books. So my favorite book is Wuthering Heights. So I'll bring a copy of Wuthering Heights. Well, I didn't do a book, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. I just brought my laptop. I'm sure I could find some books on there. <laughs> That's true. You oh, were yeah. you were smarter than all for of the us. record. <laughs> I did read this entire book on my phone. Just gonna put that oh. out there right now. <laughs> that sounds rough. I hate that for you. Yeah, yeah. I hate it for me. <laughs> Susan. Yes, I'm Susan, and I really had no idea how to answer this question because I didn't know if I should answer it as if I was leaving the house of the ninth or if I was running away from my own house. And the answers vary wildly depending on those things. So I'm just going to mix them together, assuming that we cannot bring a human, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. State humans. Okay. Fend for yourself. But I'd like to bring it. I'd like to bring a human so that he could also bring three extra items. But if that's not what we're doing, then here's what I'm going (laughs) to do. You need the extra space. (laughs) He can have all three dogs and then I'll grab other stuff. Um, I would probably bring like a Kindle or something where I could find books, but really it's because I just need something to listen to podcasts because I'm going to be very anxious about running away and I just need to hear something that calms me. Um, and then a journal also, even though like that's not a cool answer anymore because everyone said it, but it makes sense. (laughs) And then I'm torn between a good pair of running shoes and a weapon. So... I feel like maybe a weapon. Okay. Or no. Are you imagining, like, you're running away from home to, like, get away from something? Or are we just running away from home? I thought we were just leaving. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, Susan's I combining thought, like, running from the, the ninth and her I just, like, what if I, so. what if I have to hitchhike, you know? And... You don't, you don't know when you're going to need a yeah, weapon. Yeah, so I just feel like I would yeah. bring a weapon. Maybe, like, a, like Could- a knife or a taser. Could the dogs count as a weapon? No. <laughs> no, they couldn't. <laughs> Have you seen them? <laughs> They're not going to do a lot of damage. Maybe Roger could, but the other two definitely not. Yeah. Maybe Roger. Yeah. Penelope is a weapon. Oh, gosh. Just hold her out and she'd be like, Aah. Yeah. She'll Did you guys see my you. Instagram story of Rez, like, kind of growling at the equipment yes. in her neighbor's yard? <laughs> That's the level of guard Red. dog that we'd be bringing. So <laughs> yes. he like purred at it Very like good. a cat. <laughs> so <laughs> so no, he doesn't count. Neither does Maple, who's right here. Well, she says hi. Um, this is all to say we are talking about Gideon the Ninth today. Uh, we will be spoiling things after I read this Goodreads summary. <laughs> So from Goodreads, 
Tamsin Weir's Gideon the Ninth unveils a solar system of swordplay, cutthroat politics, and lesbian necromancers. Her characters leap off the page as skillfully animated as necromantic skeletons. The result is a heart-pounding epic science fantasy brought up by unfriendly, ossifying nuns, ancient retainers, and countless skeletons. Gideon is ready to abandon a life of servitude and an afterlife as a reanimated corpse. She packs up her sword, her shoes, and her dirty magazines and prepares to launch her daring escape. But her childhood nemesis won't set her free without a service. Harrow Hark Nana Jessimus, Reverend Daughter of the Ninth House and Bone Witch Extraordinaire, has been summoned into action. The Emperor has invited the heirs to each of his loyal houses to a deadly trial of wits and skill. If Harrow Hark succeeds, she will become an immortal, all-powerful servant of the Resurrection. But no necromancer can ascend without their cavalier. Without Gideon's sword, Harrow will fall, will fail, and the Ninth House will die. Of course, some things are better left dead. This is the summary for weekend. And Pet Cemetery. Some sometimes <laughs> dead is better. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> um I that's not a bad explanation of the book. They did say skeletons three times. A lot of skeletons. Yeah, there were like three lines before this that was just like try it the first three lines of the Goodreads. Summary are like Gideon the Ninth is the most fun you'll ever have with a skeleton, and I was like, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> a lot of fun times with skeletons, so that's kind of a a big claim, you know. I mean, I also have to just go ahead and say, I so I didn't listen to the book. I read a hard copy. Kelly read it on her phone, but Susan and Emily both. No, Susan to read it, the right? hard copy too. Oh. I read it. I listened to it. So, Emily's the keeper of how to pronounce all the names. Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll try. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't hear Harrow's full name that often, so I don't know that I really... Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we're just gonna do... We're gonna do our best. <laughs> I have to say, my favorite, yeah, that- my favorite name is Corona Beth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Poorly timed. Ill-timed. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you just put a Beth at the end of it, and it just makes everything so much better. My yeah. my favorite huh, name now it's pretty. is Palamedes Sextus. <laughs> Hot. That's a great name. I love it. I just love it as a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, now is the time. If you don't want to get spoiled, just burn, cut it off, go read it, and get back to us. Uh. I, so, like, as I was reading this, it struck me, and I don't want to do what I always do and say, like, what about the genre? Because I think that's pointless. But you're going to do it. But <laughs> I do think that this book is sort of unlike most of the other things I have read. It's definitely unlike anything we've read on the podcast before. To the point that, like, I sort of struggled a little bit initially when I started reading it. And it took me a while to sort of get it into the groove of the book. And I was wondering if you guys encountered any hurdles or if anything was difficult about the book. Or if there was something you particularly loved about the book that drew you in immediately. Like, I think it goes both ways. So I was immediately interested um, in um, Gideon's voice. 
And so that was kind of carrying me through the beginning, which was where I was started to be a little worried about because I saw the list of names and I was like, that usually immediately makes me panic because I cannot remember any of them, <laughs> especially when they're like all over the place names. Palamedes. Um, <laughs> like the most recognizable name is Corona Beth because of what's well, happening. Sydney, <laughs> that's only because of for that. right now. But yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Real also, they all now. they all have like nicknames for yes. each other. So then you're like, wait, who's Babs? Yeah. Like- <laughs> so that was the real struggle. I yeah. Have, that's the other thing is which like. Is like yeah. The names change. Yeah. It was like reading a Russian novel um, where they all have, like, their name, but also their five nicknames, and you're like, okay, but who is this? So, like, my biggest yeah. struggle yeah. was that Gideon nicknames every single house, and as a result, like, looking at the eighth house is, like, Silas and Kalom, it was like, that's useless, because, like, what does Gideon I was like, yeah. which one's the mayonnaise uncle? <laughs> yeah. Which one's the uncle, and which one's the nephew, yeah. and why is the nephew older than the uncle? No. So the list didn't even really <laughs> help. That was the only hurdle I had, and I'm, like, low-key usually good with, like, the Russian novels and the fantasy epics with names, but, like, the nickname yes. combo with the name list became really difficult to manage. Yeah, I'm, I'm real bad at yeah. that, but I do think that, like, I don't know. I was just going to say, I think her voice like carried me through the beginning part where I was really concerned for my own ability to comprehend <laughs> what was going on. And it's really not all that complicated. It just it sounds like it's going to be yeah. in the very beginning. I think the main thing that was a struggle for me, and this is yeah. always, it's such a hard balance to strike with fantasy or like sci-fi where you don't want to get a big information dump about the world in the beginning of the book. Um, Cause that can be really yeah. clunky and frustrating. And usually it just is an indicator of bad writing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also really challenging to get thrown into a world that's so unlike what you're used to. And then sort of, I mean, we get information as it goes on, but in the beginning, it's a little um, disorienting, especially like I don't read a ton of high fantasy, which this is kind of like high fantasy in space if we're going to give it like a genre. Um, Yeah. And so that was a little challenge, like for me personally, being thrown into the world and not really understanding how it works and kind of just going with it and not like asking a bajillion questions was difficult for me because I wanted to understand. And I actually like, once I got about like 14 chapters in, I had to go back to the beginning and kind of like look over it to make sure I understood what happened. Yeah. I had to do that too. A couple of times, like reference something that I'd already have. And it's not, I mean, it's not that whatever was happening was completely wild you know it all did make sense and i do think the novel is handling fantasy and introducing elements in a way that i like and would approve of i just wanted to make like double check that i was understanding everything especially since we were going to talk about it and i mean i told i told emily this like privately but and i don't know that i would say that I read fantasy all the time, but I am, you know, midway through a huge fantasy series. You certainly read more fantasy than anyone else on this podcast. I am familiar. (laughs) I don't know about Leah. I read a lot of fantasy (laughs) too, so I'm with you. Yes, I was like, Leah probably knows more. But, you know, it's just, have you read Wheel of Time, Leah? 
I read the first one, but I never continued up. Like, I don't blame you. <laughs> don't blame me. I, I love it, but I love it in, like, a... Uh, Robert Jordan. Yeah. What's your deal? Yeah. But, like, in, in something like that, like... I was saying the other day, we have to get 200 pages into any Wheel of Time book before any semblance of a plot appears. <laughs> like, they gotta tell you, where is everyone? What's going on? What's this world like? What magic? What is magic? <laughs> and, like, they have to do that every single time. And with Gideon, we're just thrown in to the point that, and this is what I told Emily, I said, you know, like... I was reading it to begin with, and when Gideon calls a shuttle in the first chapter, I was like, oh, so it's like a like a car or like a train or something. And then I was like, oh, they're in space. <laughs> yeah. And it is yeah. a space Took shuttle. Took a second. Um, and part of that is like, I just hadn't looked into the book. I just heard it was good and was like, I'm going to read this and stopped reading about it then. <laughs> but... I mean, it, it does, I think the book does do a good job of just, like, throwing you in and you gotta let it wash over you and you will figure it out as it goes on. But I think that it takes a while to get to that point, at least it did for me, to where I was like, oh, yes, all of this makes sense and I completely understand now. Yeah, I think that yeah. a lot of what makes it a struggle is also what made it so good in my eyes in a yeah. lot of ways, which is... Because it's this crazy, like, fantasy, but it's in space, and it's complicated, and so are the characters. Like, the flip side of that is that she does a lot of things that, like, are plot-wise and character-wise are really crazy. And really, like, daring in ways that I was like, how did she just do that? Like, you can't just do that. And she was able to do that because she, like, messed with this world so much and just went for it. So that's the kind of the trade-off. Yeah, like she didn't have to spend as much time establishing everything. One thing that confused me from the get-go was just <laughs> the term necromancer. So yeah, <laughs> I when I saw that in my head, really confused it with necrophilia. And so I thought... <laughs> it's got romance in it. You I know? thought that, yeah. <laughs> I really that's thought that's like romance. where... Next, so I was romance. just like, why or when and how is that happening? And who, with whom? And then, like, I mean, it literally it took me a while to Who's be like, those are different things. Oh, no. So, oh, no. You must have experienced this book much differently. Only for, a, you know, the first... Changes the, the first one quarter of the book. Was I like, oh, that's necrophilia. <laughs> I, I mean, I play so much D&D that I was like, ah, necromancy, the most taboo of magic. <laughs> like, I was ready to judge. I will say something that I uh, was, like, pleasantly surprised by, because we talked about how, uh, like, threatening the giant character list was, but I did feel like the introduction of the characters was, like, done in a way where there were, like, staggered character introductions. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it wasn't like, here are all these characters, you're meeting them right away, good luck keeping track of their names. It was kind of like, here's two characters, here's their names, they're gonna have a whole interaction, you're gonna learn about them. And then, like, it was just, like, 
you would like hear vaguely about a character, but you'd be like, I don't really have to worry about that right now. And then later you would learn more about well, that character. Um, and I appreciate that. Island. And thank yeah. goodness their names. <laughs> uh, you just get a few. Thank time. goodness their names had yeah. like numerical reference in them. <laughs> um, otherwise yeah, it would have yeah. been, um, it would have been difficult to keep track of at least where they came from. Even once you know their name. Right. Um, and I'd be like, oh, okay, so that's, Someone from the six. I can't remember if it's this person or this person. Yeah. And they would do something I like, and be like, oh, right, that's the cap. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, I like, I remembered the characters pretty well. I just didn't always remember which house they were yeah. associated with. And then I would have to go back and look. But like, as far as like what their personalities were and stuff like that, except, I mean, some of them are a little less fleshed out just because they're not as important. But uh, yeah, I felt like. At least in that sense, um, it was it was easier to keep track of because of the way that they were introduced. I mean, everybody's got like some flags, right? Mayonnaise uncle, <laughs> uh, the shitty teens. Yes. I love the, the shitty, shitty teens. teens. I love the shitty R. teens. <laughs> I just love how much she hated them. Yeah. <laughs> like every time she'd be much, like, "I love how much Gideon hates them," and I love that in the book things that they say like weird crappy whispery conversations are, are really tiny, tiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well so i someone did not say, experience like, that as the <laughs> listener well it would be like it's you'd get so like funny. magnus <laughs> saying jean marie is a great swords swordsman and she's you know she's the most up and coming in her class and she'd be like no don't say that and it'd be in parentheses <laughs> and like yeah. teeny tiny like yeah. <laughs> i'm seeing if i can find it in the book somewhere but it's hard to find anything in this book. I'll hold it up if yeah. I find it. <laughs> yeah, or take a pick. Take a pick yeah. and send it to us. No. It's so tiny, yeah. though. <laughs> no, don't say my name. <sighs> um, I guess, and I, I guess one more thing that I found sort of challenging is sometimes when they were describing the magic itself and how it was working, I would get a little mixed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, bones, I got it. They're doing magic with bones. Necromancy, know what that is. I'm here. But sometimes, like, especially during challenges and things, I would get a little slipped up on what um, was going on. And I mean, that kind of segues into, I wanted to talk about the system of magic a little bit. This is, the system of magic introduced in this book is kind of different from a lot of other representations of magic I've seen in a really cool way. Like I'm, I'm interested. It's all sort of necromancy based and people siphon off, not siphon. I shouldn't use the word siphon. They, people sort of channel energy or this death energy to do magic and each house sort of has a particular branch of necromancy that they specialize in or are more interested in um what did you guys think about the necromancy system so is there something you would have liked to see so i i will have to say when i first started reading this book one of the things i was most excited about was the necromancy not because I thought it was necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I wasn't but excited I thought, about necrophilia. I just thought it was no, necrophilia. No, no. <laughs> I 
I'm just saying, like, I don't want you to I'm just imagining you picking up and being like, oh, yeah. no. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was really excited about that. And I kind of, I don't know, like, I kind of wish that the necromancy felt more, like, special. Because it, it was just sort of like mm. everyone who can do magic is a necromancer. And I was like, what other, like, I want to see other kinds of magic. So then like the people who do necromancy are like really cool in comparison. I don't know. It like made it less special that everyone was necromancing. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like less interesting about it. I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and Emily and I talked about this too, that like it was hard to tell like in like, on a planet, on one of their planets, like, how many people can do this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. how how special is this to be able to perform this kind of magic? Because it's, like, these are obviously people that are specifically chosen because they're, like, the heads of the houses or whatever, or, like, you know, have, like, a high status on whatever planet they are, and they can do this magic. But it's, like, if I'm on, you know, the sixth planet, like, how many people are there and how many people can do this kind of magic. Yeah. So it's hard to, like, figure out, who, like, yeah, to how special is it? Like, how unique are these powers? Um, so, like, while it was cool that it was necromancy, and I especially enjoyed, like, uh, Harrow's form of necromancy. Like, I liked reading about the skeletons, and I liked reading about the different things she could do with bones, and that kind of stuff was really creative, I thought. Um, and... Like the the big like bone monsters that they were that they were yeah. fighting and like the descriptions of those were really really like because there were parts of this book that were harder for me to visualize but those parts were created such a like visceral image in yeah. my mind of like what a giant monster made of different weird bone parts would look like uh, so that stuff was cool but I did feel. Like, I wanted some more information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I thought it was really cool in one way, which is, like we were saying before, the idea that necromancy is, like, usually the, like, dark version of magic in most fantasy yeah. worlds. And so to have it be, like, this entire, you know, science fiction universe is defined by, like, the existence of energy that makes necromancy a thing it was mm-hmm. interesting. Um and it reminded me, too, of, like, um, N.K. Jemisin and, like, the kinetic sort of magic that she uses in the Broken Earth um, series. Mm-hmm. And, like, how the magic in that is very defined by, like, kinetic energy and what kinetic energy mm-hmm. can do. And so even though it's magic, it's very, like, sci-fi. Um, yeah. And that reminded me of this. Um, as for more information... <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, because I've actually, oh, yes, I've sure. actually already read the sequel to this, oh. and uh, yeah, there, there's information. I don't know if it's going to help though. Um, oh, no. It's a lot. So, um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think more information in some ways could have been useful, but I do wonder, based on like, also just like how she tends to handle this information and how mysterious she likes to make it. I feel like if she mm-hmm. had given us more information, this book would have got gotten bogged down really fast because yeah. she would have gone crazy detailed and crazy yeah. like deep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like definitely not giving that information, especially in the first book, makes me a little more curious 
and primes me to maybe receive some of that really detailed bogged down information. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see when I read the sequel. But yeah, you know, like I definitely felt. I mean, I was doing my typical fantasy rule of just let it wash over me. <laughs> and if it's yeah. important, it'll come up again. <laughs> yes. Um, I did. I mean, like, for me, again, like, being in that D&D mindset, I was like, oh, you don't do necromancy. It's the bad <laughs> magic. And, you know, like, I've played in several campaigns where, like, we would have someone who did necromancy and it was, like, a big drama. <laughs> because everyone was opposed to it and, like, How trying could to talk you? them out of it. <laughs> And then we get into like, well, what is evil really? <laughs> oh no! What it's like it's like in every evil? story ever where they're like, "I'm going to bring this person back from the dead," and they're like, "Don't! They won't be the same." And then they do it anyway. <laughs> yes, Pet exactly. Cemetery, but <laughs> but like in in Gideon the Ninth, ev- all of these necromancers are like, we're just using some death energy, and some of them are like, "Yeah, let's call out to the dead spirits, see what's up." Ask what happened. How'd they die? You know, it's so casual and no one's looking at it necessarily as a taboo. And what is taboo is using someone who's still alive to get energy from them. So that's like, I mean, I thought it was like an interesting view on necromancy, you know, like traditional fantasy tropes of necromancy. The issue is not using energy from the dead, it's using energy from those who are alive. Wow, I am just yeah. I'm the only one who like didn't know about necromancy to begin with. It's becoming very clear. I mean, I like knew what it was, but I haven't read a lot of stuff that had like a ton of I've never read anything with it or like heard the term used. I mean, I swear to you, 90% of my conceptions about necromancy are... But you have perceptions about it. Just a lot of Dungeons and Dragons time. I didn't even know where... This was all just brand new to me. Susan thought it was about sex. (laughs) (laughs) I I read a lot of, like, horror fiction and watch a lot of horror Mm. movies, so I think that's probably how I... Yeah, I think horror movies are my... Uh, place where I know. I mean, I guess I know about the concept. I just don't think I've ever associated the word with it. Like, this is a new, this is a brand new vocab word for me. Like, I feel like I'm in a new class. You just, new English class right now. If you slap a mancy, if you slap a mancy onto the end of something, (laughs) slap a mancy. It becomes a mancy is not a mancy. Time magic. Those are different. Slap a Yeah, like chronomancy, time magic. Uh, Chronophilia, fucking fox. Dead magic. Yes. <laughs> fucking fox. Oh my god. Can y'all keep going? What is I happening? get it now. I'm, on, I'm, I'm fully on board. I mean, I obviously figured it out, but like, <laughs> I just, I'm just surprised yeah. that everyone's like, oh, the necromancy I'm used to. And I'm like, we were all used to necromancy. Like, I've never. <laughs> What are you talking about? You're like, while we were all getting used to necromancy, where yeah, was I? I was not invited to any of your necromantic parties, ever. And I'm mad. I don't think you'd want to be invited to any necromantic parties. No. Maybe if I'm dead, I do, though. Seems like fun. <laughs> yeah. I could come back. I could be dancing bones. I could be attack bones. Yeah. A skeleton. 
Pretty much all books about necromancy say that it wouldn't be that tall. Also, I will just say, (laughs) on, like, page 30, she talks about, like, uh, I always knew this was the way I was going to go out, like, gangbang by skeletons. (laughs) And... So you could see where and you're like here it some is. of my yeah, there it is. some of my misconceptions were carried along by language such as that. <laughs> yeah, Gideon is very yeah. has that tone that I can imagine why you would yeah. it would carry you along yes. that path. I was ready for I a skeleton gangbang. Like, the tone of the novel because I was told All right. The tone of the novel is just like so irreverent, and Gideon's voice is so flippant and smartass in its nature it's i don't know like to me i'm having a hard time articulating i'm getting that feeling like and this is maybe spoiling how i feel about it i'm getting that feeling of like having just finished a book you really liked and then not knowing how to articulate anything about it like, I legitimately finished it earlier, and I was, like, laying in my room reading. <laughs> I took myself away from everyone else in the house, and I was like, I have to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> I finished it, and then Todd came in and was like, oh, did you finish it? And I was just laying there. With the <laughs> I, was, I was in a wild mood when I finished this book. <laughs> I finished yes. it. Like, it's just kind of a lot. I finished it, and then was like, it. Justin, I think you would like this, and here's why. And then I just, like, went... But I couldn't really explain it. <laughs> so I was like, you know, maybe yeah. I'll come back to him with that later. He's like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Like, yeah. he just worked I, in the yard for 10 hours. So he was kind of, like, probably not prepared for what I was coming at him with. He was like, I didn't I didn't want <laughs> yeah. this lecture. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the tone is, like, really, really enjoyable. And we've talked about before how it's hard to balance sometimes having the tone of, like a person who has a very specific type of personality without it, like, becoming annoying or, or sounding like, like the author's trying to sound cool. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this balanced really well. Like, it wasn't too much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there would be, like, long periods of time where it wasn't like, oh, my God, this again. But then she'd say something funny or she'd just throw, like, a, f- like, friggin' blah, blah, blah in there and it'd be like, just, like, so unexpected because, like, yeah. it is still written with this, like, sort of fantasy language. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, like, little unexpected, like, really sexual things or just, like, swear words or whatever were just, like, funny and sort of, like, yeah, like, irreverent. And they really lightened things up uh, and made it exciting and really made you root for her. Like, I think she's a really great... A protagonist. Yeah, I think Gideon's voice makes a huge difference for the novel and like just like the, those moments of like, like what we were saying before, like the shitty teens, like even just the fact yeah. <laughs> she will be in the middle of a serious scene and she'll be like the shitty teens were talking in the corner and you're like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Or like my personal favorite was when there would be like really important conversations going on and Gideon would straight up say in the narration, like, I had stopped listening at this point. <laughs> and like, you'd, yeah. you would know that you were missing serious information and Gideon's like, I don't care what's happening. I'm bored. Yeah. It hel- it helped to have the, the main character kind of be on your side of like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times there'd be two characters having a conversation in front of her and she'd just continuously be like, what? What are you talking about? And they just ignore her. <laughs> 
I mean, and also, like, we have to think, so, like, Gideon did grow up in the ninth house, so she is familiar with them and their ways, but Gideon wasn't raised to be a cavalier, right? Like, she's just thrown into this really uh, traditional, formal position that she doesn't know anything about, and we don't know anything about it either, so we kind of get to learn along with her and nobody knows what's happening in Canaan. Yeah, now. I was going to say it's nice to so we're all kind find of out together. things when she finds them out. And not like I think we've talked before yeah. about some other I can't remember what book it was, but we've talked a few times about, you know, knowing all of this information and just waiting for the people in the book to figure it out and that takes out all yeah, of the suspense right. and mystery. Um but we also don't know what's going on at the same time that she doesn't know. And then we do know when she knows, and that's nice. Yeah, I, I, I thought mean, it would be annoying yeah. when, like, Harrow, for example, just, like, leaves and is like, I took your keys. Uh, don't talk to anyone. <laughs> I'm out. And you're not allowed to do anything. And then just disappears for, like, <laughs> a week. And Gideon's just pissed and wandering the castle. I was like, so we're just not going to know what's happening? But in some ways, like, that was even better. And I feel mm-hmm. like it would have been, like, not as fun if Gideon was just following Harrow around. I liked that they kind of gave Gideon getting to know the people over here, and then Harrow comes back and is like, so this is what's happening. But she doesn't really tell Gideon, because she doesn't care. Like, it all just seemed very realistic to their relationship, too, as it was presented. Yeah. Like, Harrow was like, we're here, I don't really trust you, just stay here and do your job, which is to, like, protect me, or whatever. But, like, I don't need you, so just... Yeah, and Gideon's like, you're a dick. (laughs) And, I mean, this is, in a lot of ways, and I guess I didn't realize this until further in, like, this is kind of a locked room mystery in a lot of ways. Everybody's stuck in a house. (laughs) People are getting killed. (laughs) Who did it? It's Knives Out, but with necromancy. (laughs) I... And it was fascinating. I read this interview with Tamsin Ware that was illuminating. We're going to link to it in the show notes. And I kind of want to get to some of the things she said in this interview because I think they are sort of illuminating, at least to me, illuminating things about the novel. But like, does this work as a mis- Is this a mystery novel? Does it work as a mystery? Because that was sort of the most intriguing part to me. Yeah. Um, to me, and Mary, we kind of talked about this already, but to me, that was the part that I was like most interested in. So when it got into that, I think I was able to, um, get into the story more because I was like, all right, like now we're all confused yeah, together. People out here dying. <laughs> <laughs> people out here dying. We don't know why. I was so confused. And I know like I've asked this to multiple people, but like my whole, like, from the moment they get to the planet, my whole, like, my main confusion was, and this was before the murdering started happening, <laughs> but my main confusion was, okay, this feels like the Hunger Games, except, like, nobody has to die. They can yeah. all win and everything will be fine. So, like, why are we being sketchy? I don't get it. So, like, then when people started dying, I was like, okay, I do, like, I get like, I happening. do love a murder. <laughs> well, now it makes sense I that no one trusts murder. each other. But before that, yeah, it's like, they. it just seems... Before that, it's like, what? Yeah, we talked about this, and I was like, I'm not sure, maybe I'm just not reading it right, but, like, I think they're just being competitive assholes, and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to become the 
whatever if I can't be that. Yeah. And but you can all but you could all be that. But they're like I hate you. But what if it was just me though? No, I they're like they're like you disgust me and I don't want to be on the same level as you. So no, I think I want to get it. I think that's accurate. (laughs) I think that they're all competitive assholes. But I also think that part of it is that a bunch of their houses have like extreme prejudices against each other. Like yeah. that yeah. that house is yes. like the weird yeah. house. And that house, like they just want to be in the library. And that and like Harrow's house, like they're they're nuts over there. So Harrow immediately is like, well I don't trust any of you because we're mm-hmm. a whole planet of secrets. So I'm not trusting any of you just on principle. And I'll be out. Yeah. Like I'll be doing my own thing. And so and then because she's doing her own thing, other people don't trust her. And so I feel like it starts with, like, tiny little individual pettiness slash prejudices and then blossoms into everyone just being like, nope, we're all doing our own thing. And now people are getting (laughs) murdered, so, like, even less trust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, just, like, as things unfolded, there were, there was twist after twist. That made sense. Like, every time something was revealed, it made sense to me. But I still was, like, a little kid reading something for the first time, just like, what? Yeah. This person's who? What? They were dead the whole time. (laughs) That reveal happened multiple times, and I was surprised every time. Yeah. (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's, am I right, Susan? (laughs) You're right. Like Emily's on board, finally. Over and over again. Bernie was dead the whole time. Emily is on board, finally. She's come around. She's pointing (laughs) out the moments now. It's not just me. (laughs) The episode's coming, guys. Susan, as you were reading this, you must have been like, this is exactly like Weekend of Bernie's the whole time. Okay, I did think about it, for real. (laughs) 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 But but it was more advanced. It was actually relevant this time, because I think about it for things that are maybe not quite as connected as I think they are. Um, but this had a lot of Bernie moments in it. Proving, once again, that that movie is still relevant today. That actually exactly. is my experience with necromancy, is that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Is Weekend at Bernie's necromancy? <laughs> No. We Please can, look, a memoir. <laughs> we can have Bernie's too, I would say is. I Maybe not the it. first one, but the second one. I know. Reanimate. Yeah, so We Can Have Bernie's the original is more like practical necromancy. I would say. You know, not real magic, but the appearance. Practical necromancy starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> 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 ah. And Andrew McCarthy, obviously. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys can move on now. I, it's hard for me not <laughs> just to say, like, I want to talk about very specific moments that I thought were cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, maybe I do want to ask us at the end if you have a favorite character or favorite moment. But first I want to talk about uh, this interview. So Tamsin Weir did an interview with Three Crows Magazine, and we can link to it in the show notes. And she talked about a lot of things. A lot of things. She talked about um, fan fiction and 
childhood sexual abuse. She talks about, you know, like the ethics of writing about dark topics. She talks about queer characters in fiction. But I cut a uh, quote from part of this um, conversation. She said, it's also not as easy as if you're writing from a place of personal damage, maybe you get to write about this in terms of she's talking about who gets to write about what. People have written brilliantly about personal damages they have not suffered. People have personal damage they don't, can't, or won't disclose. Living cheek by jowl with rape culture and teen sexualization and total dismissal of teenage girls, period, is more than enough of an excuse to write about sexual abuse one has not suffered physically, but has arguably suffered spiritually. Some people are going to write about the topic with the intent to do it in a thorny and damning, complicated way. Some of them are going to write about it with the intent to titillate. Some of them are going to write about it intending both, trying to start a specific conversation with the reader, going for a deliberate effect. For some readers, their hard line is that they don't want to see any of this stuff. They want to protect teenagers at all costs. They want to stop the people who would use this material to groom and abuse teenagers. However, the community policing seems to start with the often queer, often female-identified creators, doesn't interrogate the work itself, and seems to not leave the community. A critique that begins with soft targets and never rages against hard targets stops looking like any critique at all. Author as leading moral light is a lovely idea, but it was always one that bore down the hardest on women and fiction for women. It's a wild (laughs) quote. (laughs) There is more there. Like, this is a very lengthy, in-depth interview, but I pulled... I pulled this section specifically because we have talked in the past a lot about sort of the depiction of hard topics in novels and uh, how we feel about it. I'm thinking about when we read All the Ugly and Wonderful Things. That's exactly what I thought of when we were reading that. (laughs) But it, it is, I think that what she's saying in a lot of ways um ties into things we're interested in you know like if you have ex- if you have lived in this world and experienced rape culture you do know something about it you may not know everything or have the same perspective as someone who's experienced it but you do know something yeah i don't know i guess i just wanted to talk about this idea a little bit that we sort of like hold authors up to a moral standard sometimes that is unattainable and that often the first people to get criticized, the first people criticizing and getting criticized are often uh, women and queer authors. Yeah. I and think like, that's if really it doesn't leave the community, what happens? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially with something when you're talking about like, sexual abuse and and rape and rape culture because I feel like like as women I think you know I certainly you know know people who have been raped so it's like there if you haven't been raped if you're lucky enough to have not had that experience um everyone knows someone who has 
And Mm -hmm. that's not an exaggeration. (laughs) That's like a factual statement. So it's, and I think she, she points out like some people have personal damage they don't, can't, or won't disclose. And it's like, there are people who have had this happen to them who don't, who don't want to talk about it and, and who don't want to, you know, re-explore those experiences. But it's like, it is important. Yeah. And that's fine. It's fine to not want to talk about it. That's totally fine. But I think it is important to, to have this represented in in literature because it is so, so prevalent in the world. And it's just like, you know, whether or not it has happened to you, like, specifically, it's something that is so common that to to pretend it doesn't exist um, is and – to, and to specifically – and, you know, I understand that, that some people, you know, trigger warnings are important for some people and, and help some people, but – I think that the idea that, like, no one should write about this and we shouldn't be, like, perpetuating this or something is just not realistic and also not helpful because I think that, you know, this is part of – unfortunately part of human experience. Um, And, yeah, I do think that, like, because – because women tend to write about it more often because whether or not it's happened to you again, it's it's often something that that women are afraid of, something Mm. that we – like, have thought about happening to us, have been afraid mm-hmm. about happening to us, something that we think about all the time. So, uh, yeah, like, I think that she well, makes a really good point. It completely changes your perception of the world. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, not something that you ever don't think of, you know, or something that, like, isn't something that occurs as a possibility to you. So. Yeah, I think one thing I struggle with, too, in some of the, the conversations that come up when people critique authors about you know, did you experience this? Do you know things that come up there? First of all, I'm deeply uncomfortable with when people have a problem with the way something was represented and they immediately go like, well, does the author know what they're talking about? Did they go through sexual abuse? And it becomes this like interrogation. But like, I read in January, I read a book called The Diary of a Teenage Girl. And it's this graphic novel Mm -hmm. about this 15 year old who becomes sexually active by starting a relationship with her mom's boyfriend who's way older than her and it's like Ooh, extremely yeah. sexual she's doing tons of drugs it's like about a lot of trauma and it's right. autobiographical by this author it's based on her real journals from the time and there were people in all these reviews talking about how at the end it shows the girl doing fine as an adult and how this is wrong and how she shouldn't <laughs> and how like or like how her how she later uh, talks to the boyfriend, or her later attitude towards this relationship doesn't accurately represent X. I'm like, this is explicitly like a semi autobiographical novel. Like, yeah. how can you possibly like people deal with trauma differently? How are we? We can't say like, that. I'm sorry, I didn't like how exactly. your life went. Exactly, and like, yeah. <laughs> It's your life. Can you redo that for me? And people too were like, "This is too dark, too sexual, all these kinds of things," and it just reignited like my problem with that sort of interrogation and that sort those sort of critiques. And I have noticed that they do tend to come more against like teenage girls, teenage women telling their stories later on. and it, that's why sometimes those make me, especially after reading some of those reviews, makes me uncomfortable. Because I was like, that was semi-autobiographical. Like, we can't weigh in on what's yeah. realistic in this book. It's a real person's life. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
And also, like, it's not the author's responsibility to respond mm-hmm. to that question. Like, do, are, do you have experience with this? It's like, that's not a question you're allowed to ask me. No. <laughs> so. It's. I am interested in this, like, question of policing what's okay and not okay in novels. Like, who gets to be the police? And what are the effects of that on other people? And why are there police? Yeah, I don't know that I have a good answer. Like, on one hand, I want the literature police to step in when I'm taking, you know, a seminar where every book I read features a woman getting raped and they're all written by men. Yeah, fair. I want the police to step in then. I I was the police in that situation. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. That was semi autobiographical. I, I feel like in class. <laughs> I started yelling in class, but sometimes you got to yell in class. Sometimes you got to yell. Uh, but then you know, like I don't understand how people can step in and try to police others' experiences or others' perceptions of experience. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have a good answer. I told you guys my brain's all over the place today. It's all over the place. You're doing great. You're doing great. (sighs) She does say something else really interesting in this interview, though, where she says, Gideon the Ninth is a very lesbian novel, but it doesn't actually contain any lesbian Okay. I have so many thoughts about this. I actually... (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) I actually wrote, like, an entire Book Riot piece referencing a review (laughs) I hated of this book. Um, we'll link we to should. it. Yes. We'll link to um, it. And it was a review that claimed from the reader. She said something along the lines mm-hmm. of, "I was promised lesbians and didn't get any," and it made me, <laughs> and it made me so angry because I was like, "Okay, Gideon yeah, is clearly a lesbian. Yeah, it could right. not be like, more clear. It's not even vague. No question. Like she references her lesbian <laughs> dirty magazines. Like it's very clear. Literally, immediately like, from on the first page. Yeah. And so I wrote like a whole piece because it made it made me frustrated that like every queer character has to like kiss another queer Have character for them all to be queer. Yeah. Uh, you could definitely argue that, like, there were three of the main characters in this might be queer women. You know, we don't get it explicitly yeah. said that Harrow's queer, but there's this whole, like, weird romance. Like, what about bomb. in the Yeah, I'm also like, was there no romance in this <laughs> exactly. novel? Because I feel like that was a pretty romantic relationship. It was, it was, very, a, it was a failed was romance. Very, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was a romance, and it didn't go yeah, anywhere. Someone looks at you, quotes, but right. like they had a romance, and because they didn't put mouth to exactly. mouth, like that's what's if required. Tells you, I can't imagine a universe without like, you in it. Yeah, and so it was clearly a romance. <laughs> Dulcinea is flirting with Gideon left and right, and they're both oh, into yeah. it. Oh, like yeah. we all know mm-hmm. that they're like there's these queer women in this book, so it drove me nuts, and so. Um, I Camilla had queer vibes yeah. too, and so I definitely read it as super queer. <laughs> I definitely like Gideon and Harrow. Yeah. I read as a romance the entire way through, even if they never like I, kissed. Look, I so, thought that too. I was like, yeah. they definitely hate each other because there's sexual tension, right? Right. What's well, a classic fanfic mm-hmm. true? Yeah, right. Like, ooh, they hate each other. Will they kiss? Yeah. It was like very yeah. Harry and Draco's <laughs> yes. fanfic. And if anything, like yeah. also, and so it touched a nerve with me. First of all, because like. 
on a personal level, like, I'm a pan woman who, like, didn't figure it out for years because mm-hmm. I hadn't kissed anybody, you know? Yeah. And I hadn't kissed a girl. So I was like, who knows? I'm more or less yeah. straight. And I said that for years until I was finally like, no, I'm not. But, like, I just haven't <laughs> yeah. kissed a lot of people. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, no, like-, like, that, like, that's why these kinds of books are important. Like, they're all lesbians. They don't yeah. have to kiss. Also, when would they have kissed? Right. They <laughs> like, were busy. Tell me yes, when they would have taken yeah. a moment. That was what I was about to ask. Is like, when did anyone have time to like get it on? They did not have time in to their get it like on. little dome no. of bones protecting them during that battle or in the bone dome. Oh my god, that actually would have <laughs> the been the place dome. to do it. They went to the bone dome. <laughs> but but even that, like, if they had kissed, I don't think it would have been satisfying. It would not. Have it would have felt like a cheesy. Yeah. Ending, you know, and I feel I feel like we shouldn't expect queer people to have to perform for others. You yeah. know, like there shouldn't be some kind of standard to have to prove your sexuality. I mean, this is like I mean, this goes to a concept that is talked about in disability studies a lot of the normate. Like we just assume that what the norm is, is like a straight white man. Mm -hmm. We assume that characters are just straight and white whenever we read a novel, unless we're told otherwise or unless it's proven otherwise. But I think we should interrogate why. Yeah. Yeah. And there are plenty of novels about like, straight characters that don't have any romance in them and no one's mm-hmm. like is this character straight though it's like right i'm still thinking about the bone dome if i'm being honest because <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. just such a it's hard to uh, get such past a that thing to say I mean, it's fantastic <laughs> i will yeah, say and- i will say this is what i was gonna say so like the so the audiobook pronounces it dulcinea so that's what mm. I'm going to go with. Uh, yeah, to know. So Dulcinea, from the beginning, I was like, this bitch is corny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I was not there for her at all. Like, but she's dying. I was like, <laughs> I was sh- I was shipping uh, Harrow and Gideon. Like, yes. I really like Harrow. Like, 100%. That's where my head was. Like, I was like, clearly this is what's going to happen. The Dulcinea stuff was just like, this This bitch is getting in the way. I do not trust her. And I was right. I just want y'all to know. But like from the ver- from the get-go, I was like, this bitch is corny as hell. That's what I came to say. Yep. I know that was like very enlightening and added a lot to this conversation. Look, so you trusted your gut Look, and you were correct. I read a lot of murder <laughs> mysteries. I came prepared. I was like, <laughs> no. Never trust a dying, like- dying lady. To the point of, like, they couldn't have kissed at the end, too. It's just, like, it's such a dark novel that's so defined by, like, far-off moments and, like, weird Mm -hmm. detached emotion and, like, dead things everywhere. Like, it would not have worked if this novel, like, ended with, like, a big, like, romance with fireworks blooming and then had its ending. Like, no way would that have worked out. I think the ending was more satisfying the way it happened as like yes. an, as like the end of this romance or whatever. Yeah. Well, isn't that the most romantic thing too that you can really do? 
Like yeah. what? Right? Sacrifice Die yourself. for someone? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And sacrifice yourself in a way that like merges minds. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. your souls are one now. The whole like one flesh, one end thing is while it's like a kind of warrior statement that they're going into battle with, that is also very romantic. <laughs> like yeah. that is and I don't mean necromantic or necrophily. Yes. It's a I straight mean, up <laughs> biblical description of marriage, like to become one. Yeah. Or a spice girl like description. Their souls are together now. Like that's pretty funny. Oh, yes, spice girls. I mean, speaking yeah. of which, that entire like final chapter before the epilogue, like speaking of like finishing the book and being just like in a fog, I read that final chapter next to my boyfriend. I was reading it like and he was like, Are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't think I'm okay. But just, like, the way I think it sums up a lot of what I loved about the book in that it is so dark and so horrifying, but Mm -hmm. at the same time is, like, Gideon in Harrow's head being snarky as shit and being like, get up and stop screaming. We gotta fight this. Are you ready? Why why are your arms so weak? Your arms are noodles. (laughs) You're gonna have to lift weights for the rest of eternity. Like, beautiful. I I mean, and all, there are so many intimate moments between Gideon and Hero. Mm -hmm. Like, it was there for me. Yeah. It was there for me. I mean, intimacy, I I don't think, has to be like, they had sex or they kissed. Like, Hero took Gideon into a saltwater pool and told her mm-hmm. intimate secrets. Like that, yeah, that, that moment scene. when they were in the pool, like crying on each other and shit. I was like, "This is gay. This is so gay." Right now. <laughs> <It's> so gay. <laughs> How much gayer does it get than pulling someone into a pool and being like, "All right, here are my childhood traumas." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if two straight people were doing that, you would not question that they were at least thinking about boning. Yeah, right? yeah. in the bone dome. Or wherever. <laughs> if it was a movie scene with, like, Arrow's robes, like, hanging off her and Gideon, a lesbian, for sure, holding right. her in a pool, you would know. You would know. With right? her strong exactly. arms? Yeah. Come if on. If I start calling my bedroom the bone dome, <laughs> is that... I mean, Todd would have to be okay I think you have to ask Todd that, yeah. <laughs> I personally endorse it. I don't know how much that means to you and Todd, but... Um, I say yes. <laughs> Todd keeps telling me when we move in together, I'm gonna call our bed our loving bed. Oh no! <laughs> I, hate Todd. Todd. I hate it. I hate it. Bone dome is much better. Yeah. Bone dome's got a ring to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you t- Welcome to the bone dome. You compromise and you'll call it the loving bone dome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The loving bone dome. is the bone dome the title for this? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it probably has to be now, <laughs> and I'm fine with it. Any, uh, do we want to share a favorite moment or favorite character? Sure, I, I feel very put on the spot. I, I mean, I can go first. <laughs> go for it. To buy everyone it. some time. It's time for me to profess once again my love of Palamides. <laughs> okay, that was going to be mine. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I loved him so much because he is a, just a super nerd. Yeah. I identify with him because he's just a super nerd that wrote love letters and wanted to get married to someone he never met. Yeah. 
And he was also just, <laughs> like, that. really, like, sweet and kind. And then you were yeah. – the whole time I was like, when is he going to turn? Is he going to be evil? And it's like, no, he's just a good no. person. He's just <laughs> nice. And I loved him and Camilla. Just sort of – they always had each other's backs. And yeah. They worked well together. I loved I the love- – oh, yeah. sorry. No, you go. We might have been about to say the same thing. When uh, Gideon says, he told me to tell you he loved you. And, she, and Camilla <laughs> says, no, he did. <laughs> so funny. And she's like, yeah, okay. She's like, okay. yeah, no, sorry. He just said that you you would know what to do. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, I do know what to do. Yeah. She, um, I was gonna Gideon say, in those moments reminded me of like, like Butch Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. <laughs> like, like action character, but quippy on the side. Yeah. Like, even in moments where you're like, dude, you don't have time for this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you need to go. Yeah, I feel like this would make a great movie, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's gotta have been optioned. It might be. Who knows? I mean, I, I feel so. like so many books, so many fantasy books especially get optioned and then nothing ever happens. That's true. So. I would love for it to be like an HBO... Like a miniseries. TV show. Ooh, yeah, that's Oh my god. I would love that. That'd be awesome. I can't wait to um, cast it in my head. I know. I was actually thinking about the cast in my head a little bit. Um, but my other favorite is I really liked, I guess, like, Jean-Marie. Jean-Marie? Yes. The shitty teen. The shitty teen. Um, I liked her a lot. Uh, she was she was very much like a teen, and I liked that there was some, like like, shitty teen representation in here. But she was just, like... <laughs> like cool and hardcore and also but still had like this self-conscious element and like low self-esteem no, don't say my name and, but she yeah. was like also could beat the shit out of anyone yes. yeah. uh, I'm glad you brought her up because one of my favorite moments and this is like a small moment kind of plot wise but that dinner that they all have was, that's what I was gonna say as my favorite moment it's so funny yeah um but Jean Marie, or however you say that, um, is like that's when she's all like, "So, like, how big are your biceps?" Though? <laughs> and like, and she's over there like examining hers, <laughs> yeah, with the dude. And um, but I just loved how much like Gideon was like, "Okay, like we're here, and this is really fucking stupid." And then she's like watching how much Harrow hates it even more, and that's bringing her joy. So now she loves yeah. being there. <laughs> yeah. I really, Harrow is my favorite character, I think. So I'm, I'm really excited for the next one because I just, I enjoyed like finding out little by little more about her. I think she's really Susan interesting. and I are the same because I was gonna put the dinner in Harrow, and I also really liked that um, Harrow just thought that they were gonna be poisoned. <laughs> yeah, she was just like, obviously yeah. we can't go to that dinner. We're gonna be poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah she has read murders too. Who's like read a mystery before? Reads true crime in her off time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also really like how Hera, because I um, actually was talking about this earlier today, because so I've been, I've been still like working. It's a long story, but like I have to go like teach classes at the bar studio and like one of us is supposed to take the class and one of us is supposed to teach it. But I've been going to like every single class. And then it's like, yeah. why are you going to every single class? And I'm like, because I really just don't fucking trust anybody else to record this correctly. So I want to make sure that I'm there. 
And that, like, Harold has given me those kind of vibes. Yeah. And I really identify with that. Like, that whole <laughs> just, like, I don't trust anybody to do it right mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Emily, that is so on brand for you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to all the classes because these bitches can't do it. They really cannot, though. Like, I just cannot trust. Like, the whole thing, I just can envision if I weren't there, the entire class would be filmed just facing the, the ceiling. Wall. You wouldn't be able to see shit. That's what would happen. So that's why. Yeah. Anyway, they don't listen to this podcast, so it's okay for me to say all this. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, do you have a favorite moment or character? Um, I mean, I had a couple favorite moments. It's been a second since I read this, actually. I read yeah. it right after Book Expo last year. So it's been a second. But um, I hate that's Book fair. Expo. Yeah, really. Yeah. But, um,. I think one of my favorite twists was definitely the twin sisters. I, kn- I knew something was up with that, but I was not prepared for the shy sister to turn up and be like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm the mastermind. The worst. Um, that and fucking just come bitch. out of nowhere like that. She's She turned out to be the bomb. I appreciate that. And, like, I get the impression she's going to be in the next book. <laughs> well, she's yeah, the only, they're the only ones that live. Still alive. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I wonder if I the third the... book will be. I was thinking. It's, I wonder if the third book will be about her. Well, it's it's Gideon the Ninth, Hero the Ninth, and Electo the Ninth, which I oh I didn't assume is the girl the third in the one stone was like, who's trapped in the ice. Dang it. That would be my assumption. Ooh. I was really hoping it would be her, especially because it'd be so cool to see like this lead female character with one arm, yeah, <laughs> just like <laughs> and a dead twin. I mean, no spoilers. <laughs> you'll see more of Ianth or however yeah. you say her. Okay, cool. There will be. She, How did she's they in say it. her name, Emily? So, Ianthi, I believe. Ianthi. Ianthi. Okay. Well, Ianthi is in Harrow for sure. I this mean, is the problem the with thing, fantasy novels. Here's the thing with audiobooks, though, because I listen to Game of Thrones on audiobook. And let me just say, just because that's how they pronounce it on the audiobook does not doesn't mean it's, mean right. it's yeah, correct. So. Especially um, the game, the Game of Thrones audio narrator should be put down. He, he should be taken <laughs> out back and put yes. down. He pronounces names differently throughout in, the same book. Oh no! In the like, same chapter. But that's why you know. That's why I just said, like, as a disclaimer, I was like, "This is how they say it in the audiobook. That's yeah. how I'm going to say it, just because that's how I've heard it. However. That doesn't mean this is the way to pronounce it. Yeah, I feel like, especially in those audiobooks, they're like 37 hours long, so like nobody checked. (laughs) No one was like, let me listen through. Nobody listened to it. They were just like, I'm sure it's fine. The person didn't want to read it more than once, so they just like yeah. read it once and then like, and then, like nobody... started and then they'd get to a name and be like, and Aria stopped. <laughs> I just go I, from there. Nobody I have done that so much, like as Ty and I've been reading Wheel of Time out loud to each other, and I'll be like, wait a minute, how do you say this guy's name? How are we saying it? Thing, are you like, saying that one you told us about gets me just about like Game Alan's audiobook is that oh, like yes. nobody said anything Alan. to him when he started giving Daenerys an old lady voice in book four and I'm like she's not that old like <laughs> like she's traveled she's seen shit but she's still like in her teens I'm pretty sure so let's <laughs> calm down yep anyway sorry that's my rant about the Game of Thrones audiobook because I listen. I, I listen to all the books on audiobook, 
Yeah, Ooh. I had to give up. Uh, oh. I blame that man for me not finishing that series. So yeah, I don't blame you. I just had a lot of driving to do at the time. So thank you guys for reading this book. Yeah, are we rating it? I really liked it. Yeah, let's rate it. <laughs> I gave it. I'll just go ahead and say I gave it a five out of five. I was shook <laughs> after shook reading it. it. I really enjoyed it. I think that even though there were things that I disliked or didn't feel like warm about, there were so many inventive things that Tamsin Weir is doing with the genre, blending genres. I just like, it felt exciting and fresh to me in a way that I haven't felt about a book in a long time. So I definitely really enjoyed this book enough to give it five stars. I would recommend it to people. I already am preparing to force this book onto other people. (laughs) Is this going to be your new area X? It's not going to be my (laughs) new area X. Nothing could replace that. But it could be, you know, if I don't find my copy, it might be. (laughs) (laughs) Just by default. Um, I did spring for the edition of this book that has, and you can see, um, I think maybe I feature it in some of the pictures I took for Instagram. You can see, like, it's got black pages. Mm -hmm. Like, cool Mm black-edged pages. Nice. Ooh. Um, good, good cover design on this book. I think. Yeah, it's very cool. Like good uh, book design. Yeah, I like to see. Like, has it like the book cover is sick. Yeah, I like to see an There's illustration of a character because that means that like it's not a stock image. Someone hired someone to draw that. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You know what? This needs more of skeletons. <laughs> yeah. Murray wants to come say hi, but also we didn't talk about their their face makeup at all. Oh yeah, we didn't. Or her we sunglasses. Um, so I is it is it Murray? I think she's getting Murray. Is is Murray coming? Murray is coming. I hope so. Murray, cute. Holy shit. Um, this is Kelly. I'm gonna rate it now. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was more than happy to see Murray. Uh, I think I'm going to give it a four. I very much enjoyed it. I feel slightly held back by the things about it that I had a hard time understanding. So I feel like I... I thought you were going to say by reading it on your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's what happened. Just so that everyone knows. I gave it a four because I read it on my phone. Here's Just so everyone knows, I bought this... From an independent bookstore. I will not name names, uh, but I bought it, like, probably a month ago, and I never – I still don't have my package. So, like, about two weeks ago, I was like, I guess I'm just going to – like, I bought it shortly after the quarantine started. And so, like, two – or maybe, like, a week ago, I was like, I – I don't think it's coming in time, so I'm going to find the ebook for free and download that since I already paid for the book. Uh, <laughs> so I went and downloaded the ebook uh, and like put it. I like don't have an iPad or anything. Like I have my phone and my laptop, so I was like, I don't want to sit on my laptop reading. So I guess I'll put it on my phone. So I loaded it up on my phone, and then I put the font size on like extra big in like my book thing, so that I wouldn't have to like oh, no. hold it up to my face. But then it ended. I like 
changed the font size and looked at the page count and it was like 1400 pages (laughs) and I was like oh my god oh god Um, but in a way that ended up being more satisfying because I felt like I was reading faster because the pages went by so fast because the words were so big (laughs) like I've read I can't over a thousand pages yeah I like have never the only books I've ever read on my phone have been for work when I'm like I have to I have like this pdf in my email and there's no other way for me to read it uh, but like, it sounds like maybe you should get an iPad. <laughs> I know I probably should, but I'm, I don't know, reluctant to spend money on basically anything. So that's fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a four, four. I like a pretty solid four, and I definitely am yeah. interested in in reading the sequel. So, which says a lot because I uh, don't read a lot of series. So yeah, me too. Same for me. Susan, are you going next or me? I'll go ahead. Um, Is that a kid's I, Yeah. Sorry. I haven't officially rated it yet, but I'm going to give it a four. Um, if I'm being honest and would rate it the way that I like to write things, it would be a 4.5. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> since I can't, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I also feel like there were sometimes I was just a little bit confused I guess about like the action and what was happening and there were some things I had to reread and like maybe that kind of bothered me a little bit sometimes but overall like I really really liked this a lot and I'm definitely going to read the next one and the fact that I'm gonna do that says a lot because I've started plenty of trilogies and only read the first one (laughs) um this is Emily I gave it a three I guess I'm the only person who didn't really like get into it that much i don't really blame the book though i just don't think that this is my type of book um i think it it was just a little i don't know i had too many questions and i felt like overall it just i didn't have like a good time reading it like i was enjoying the story and when i could like get past it and just follow the story um, I was enjoying it, but there are a lot of things I had questions about that were just like bothering me. Um, and a lot of it was like, I don't know if I'm having this question because I missed something. Mm-hmm. And like, so I did like a lot of rereading and I'm also, or has it not been explained yet? Right. So I think that was really frustrating for me. Um, I'm also, I know it's a little unfair right now and we've talked about this before, but like yeah. I'm very, in, I'm a very impatient reader right now because my anxiety is really bad. And so like, um, it's just been really hard for me to read the past couple of weeks just in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, I haven't been reading as much as I was reading at the beginning of the year. Um, so like, I don't know what would happen if I had read this book at a different time. Right. I probably would have been more patient with it. Um, but it was just like a really hard, it was a really difficult read for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm giving it a three because I, I wouldn't be like, I fucking hate this book. Nobody should read it. Like I would recommend it to right. other people, but like I did not have a good time reading it. Yeah. Personally. I'm glad I tried it though. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely different from a lot of other things. And I am with you on, like, having a hard time reading. And for the first, like, half of the book, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it wasn't because it was bad. Like, 
I could look at, it's so strange, but like there was a complete disconnect in my brain of like, I could look at this and say, normally I'd really be enjoying this. But like right now I'm just finding it hard to think about anything. All I can do is like binge Shit's Creek and Survivor. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Creek. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah, a I definitely had the same type of experience. And so like I don't know, like maybe that's not a fair rating, but like that and was you just got my Corona Beth. I did enjoy <laughs> Corona Beth. Um that gave me a nice <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. Um I also I, I you know, like I do wonder if my experience was tainted by the audiobook because I know like yeah. Susan, you said you tried the audiobook and couldn't get through it. Um Yeah. And this, I bet it was. Yeah. And this is one of those books that probably would have been easier to understand if I had been able to just like read it and go at my own pace and like look back right. at things. Yeah. I found, I mean, I like literally like ended up taking notes in my mm-hmm. characters, like the yeah. character section to so that I could remember Gideon's nicknames. And like yeah. whenever I couldn't remember Great somebody, old. I would flip back. And like that on its own was crucial. So I can yeah. imagine reading the audiobook, I would have been like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. And I won't find out, apparently. I started, yeah. so I downloaded the audiobook to begin with, which is what Emily's talking about. And, like, immediately was like, I'm going to get too confused. Like, I just, I can't. I needed to be, like, a little more grounded. And I think that's part of just, like, this book's a little outside of um, my comfort zone, too, mm-hmm. which is great. And I'm I'm glad that I read it and I loved it. But... Mm-hmm. It's, it's harder to listen to something like that because listening is like so, so easy. So like, that's why podcasts go down so smooth, <laughs> but like fantasy is not as easy to listen to. Same with, I think, sci-fi and, and stuff where there's like a lot of new things being introduced and a lot of characters, it's a lot harder for me. So I listened to like literally like 15 minutes and I was like, okay, it's not going to work. <laughs> so. And then when you, I, I considered downloading the audiobook because I didn't have my physical book. And then when Susan said she couldn't do it, I was like, well, then I definitely can't do it because <laughs> I have, yeah, because really I'm real tolerance. forgiving. <laughs> the, the narrator, I have taken, I'm sorry, I was just going to say the narrator um, also gives Gideon like a man voice. Yeah, absolutely not. No, thank you. So, yeah, that was, I, I hate it. I hate yeah, it when narrators difficult. do voices. <laughs> You should listen to audiobooks then because most narrators <laughs> do voices. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, a lot of true. them are bad at Like, if a narrator does voices but they're good at it, that's one thing. But a lot of audiobook narrators do voices and they're just, like, all of the, like, half of the characters have, like, a deep, gruff voice and then half of the characters have, like, a light voice. Like, a girl voice or what they think is a girl Kelly voice. Kelly will only listen to full cast <laughs> audiobooks. Um, Leah, what did you rate the book? Yeah, I rated it five out of five. Yay. Um, I was a big fan. I think I was leaning more towards a four about, like, honestly, nine-tenths of the way through this year <laughs> when I was, because I was going to basically say, like, this was great, I had, but I struggled with some of the names, some of the details. So, like, you look at a four. But I think what ultimately decided it for me was the ending which I just thought was, like, definitely one of the most daring endings yeah, I've yeah. read to a first book in a series. Like, she literally took this, like, great, snarky main character and was like... Bye! <laughs> shit, bye! Yeah. It's like bye. some Ned and Stark like, shit. <laughs> yeah, and, like, within the text, 
Like she was like, and and here's the next part of the story from Harrow's head, and like just, yeah. and she made it look easy. Yeah, like it was just in the last chapter. Like, bang, there you go. And it was so unexpected, and I could never have imagined it happening that way. Like, I figured something crazy might happen. I figured they might lose. I figured someone might die. You know, all these things, but. Having, you know, Hera win, but Gideon die, but Gideon also merge souls, like, the whole yeah. thing was just so daring to do. To then just, and to then be like, you know, after I finished Gideon, I was like, wait, but isn't there a sequel to this? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so just to have that sort of moment, I thought it was really daring to be a debut yeah. author and to go in with that ending and be like, see you on the next one. Yeah. Um, and like <laughs> I that brought it back up to five. I think I only I I kind of had a feeling that Gideon was gonna die, but I only knew because I had like looked up like something about the book and I saw the name of the mm-hmm. sequel was Harrowhark the ninth, and yeah. I was like, Oh, so the sequel is Harrowhark's perspective. I bet Gideon mm-hmm. dies. But I was already like ha- like probably seventy five percent done with the book at that point and so when it was coming, I was like, oh, it's like saying she's going to sacrifice herself and it's going to seem like it's the thing where like, oh, but she doesn't actually die. But like she is going to die, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the part where I thought that they were going to figure out like at the end of the book some way to like not do it. Like right. I thought that would be the twist. Like Gideon would go for it, but then they'd figure out a new way or something. Yeah. And then Gideon like died. And like when you hear her voice in that final chapter, I was like, Oh, cool. No, she She's didn't fine. die. Yeah. And then yeah. she was like, stop screaming. And I was like, wait, what's happening? And then I was like, oh my God, she is dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just that whole last chapter was such a wild ride. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chef's kiss. Uh, we have one small piece of feedback. For gods of jade and shadow i'm kind of going to edit down as our from our friend darcy yay who often tweets at us and um she sent in a message to us i'm going to kind of cut out some of what you say darcy because i don't want to spoil the novel for people who might want to read it in this ep but darcy tells us i finished this book amongst the pandemic self-containment found it quite entertaining um, she talks about some plot-specific stuff, mm-hmm. and she s- expresses she was kind of disappointed that it didn't have as happy of an ending as one might expect. But she says, ultimately, I would give it a four, and I rec- and recommend it to my friends. Thanks oh, for stretching oh, yeah, I think brain. road tripping with a demon is a pretty happy ending. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, if I had to choose an ending for myself, I would say, let's... Right off in the sunset with a demon mm-hmm. on a road trip. Yeah. yeah, I thought that book had a solidly happy ending. Like, <laughs> I, as, as happy an ending as such a book can. I mean, it was literally exactly. about trying to return someone to the underworld. Like, how happy <laughs> an ending could it be? How you want it to yeah. when you're going to the underworld. Well, but well, thank you for listening, Darcy, and thank you for reading along with us. If you have. Um, if, if anyone listening has a comment or a question or wants to talk more about something that we've talked about before, or you read a novel that we read a year ago and you have something now you want to say about it, you can <laughs> it always Todd? email us, <laughs> tweet us, Instagram message us, 
leave us a comment on our website, however you would like to, and we will read it. What is on the blog? Always Survivor. Just get that out of the way right now. Leah, do you watch Survivor? I do not watch Survivor. I Somebody I know, somebody that's been on the podcast before watches Survivor, and now I can't think of who it is. It's probably Grady Hendrix. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> but Survivor's happening on the blog. We also have a new batch of recaps coming Something at you. Something that we never oh, thought no. would happen. Listen to your heart. Whoa. I know. No one could have predicted Look, this. <laughs> when this... <laughs> When the show was first announced, I said I was not going to watch it. Oh, God. And Bachelor said, hold my beer. We're Let me make start some calls. <laughs> Do you think the yeah. Bachelor's responsible for the coronavirus? Is that what you're saying? On record? 100%. Look, here is my conspiracy theory right here. Chris Harrison did it. Notice coronavirus happened after the Listen to Your Heart previews came out and everybody responded mm-hmm. negatively. Mm-hmm. And so Bachelor was like, we got to do something to take away Bachelorette, <laughs> take away VIP. They don't know when they're going to get Bachelor content again. They're stuck inside. What are they going to do? They're not going to just not watch because we don't know when Bachelorette is coming. They will listen to couples don't. singing shallow to each other 700 times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let me just tell you, so many references like three so references in the, in the first, first two episode. minutes. Four. 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 In the first two minutes of the show. Yeah. And yes, also, um, I'm recapping it for some reason. I know. Mary was yeah. like, I'll join in. And I was like, what is happening? Because I love. This is the I love thing. a singing show. I do not. So this will be interesting. And, you know, like. We were like 40 minutes into the first episode where I was like, dear God, this is a show full of Jets. Oh, God. It's just all Jets. It's it's like, what if you put, what if you cloned that guy that always brings his guitar to the party and insists on playing Wonderwall and just cloned him like 30 times and then put all of them in a room together? And then watched them fall in love. Mary and I, Mary and I already have a girlfriend on the show. (laughs) We're in love. So you'll yeah. have to read our recaps to find out who our girl okay. is. She's yeah, as a, um, as a quick sponsorship, so we're, we're my boyfriend watches The Bachelor and Bachelorette, and I yes. do not. But I do read <laughs> your guys' recaps in order to be nice. able to talk about it to him yes. afterwards. <laughs> and it's my preferred <laughs> way you, of experiencing <laughs> the show. I so, love that we well, can provide a service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm yes. glad someone's using it like as a relationship building tool, <laughs> which is really how we intend it yeah, to be used. Sure. How it's meant to be used. It's about the journey, the journey together. It's about the. It's climb. about going to the bone dome and <laughs> getting your souls <laughs> melded together. However, we can get you to the bone dome. You know, like, uh, I also recently wrote a blog post about. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and how it has helped me manage anxiety and stay somewhat okay while social distancing. Send me your Switch code. A lot of people agree with you on that. Ah, yes, I will. I will send you my Switch (laughs) code. And I am over here desperately refreshing every website that might eventually become restocked with 
switches because I do yes. not have one. And all I want yes, is to yes, have one, yes. but they are sold out literally they are. everywhere. As soon as, yeah. as soon as it was like nobody can leave their house for a couple of months, everyone was like, I gotta get a switch. I really wish Justine and I had jumped on that sooner. Now we suffer. Yeah, I'm just stuck playing The Sims. So Sims I'm are great. I'm just playing Stardew Valley on my yeah. phone. Still, Elliot and I are married. I love with a Stardew child. Valley. <laughs> Who are you married to? Elliot. We've just ordered a bunch of board game games, but we had to order them from like Ooh, eBay because no one had them in stock. Um, I wrote a blog post in celebration of Easter about the documentary Jesus Camp, which... It's celebration of Easter. <laughs> it happened because, okay, originally I typed Easter into all my streaming services because I was, like, panicking because I haven't watched anything new or done anything new. And I was like, I don't know what to write about. And my post was due on Easter. So I searched Easter, nothing. Searched rabbit, searched bunny, nothing, nothing. I could have watched Peter Rabbit, but I was like, that seems bad and I hate James Corden. So then... Um, in a moment of inspiration, I searched Jesus, and I all, I, I briefly considered <laughs> writing about Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, but then I saw that Jesus Camp was available, and I had always heard about it, but I'd never seen it, and I was like, you know what? It was only an hour and 24 minutes, so uh, I wrote about it. I highly recommend that if you haven't seen this, it's available on Hulu. Um, and it is a deeply troubling but very well-made <laughs> documentary. It's a lot. Yeah, uh, it it's very lot. troubling. And I'm not trying to be um, anti-religion or anti uh, – you know, I, I feel that people should, you know, do whatever they want, like, for themselves, you know. But um, there's a lot in this documentary about how we, uh, like – the, the responsibility that you take on when you are indoctrinating children, basically, uh, and whether or not you are, you know, what are, whether or not that's manipulation, basically. So I and – I, and I find it really interesting, too, because the documentary um, – ta- it, it, it was in 2006 that it came out. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in the documentary about um, George W. Bush, about his um, involvement – with Christianity and how he kind of used that for his political gain and about how the evangelical vote has uh, the capability to sway elections and what? about the importance. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and about the importance of the separation of church and state, which I will – bravely come out and say that I believe in the separation of church and state. Um, wow. so, brave. so yeah, it's and, and like at a at a time right now when the person in charge of the pandemic response is a person who is an evangelical Catholic, Mike Pence, and who has done multiple things to display that he does not believe in science. Uh it's, you know, a, a time when watching something like this is – it's upsetting, but it's also very telling, and it's further proof that, like, everyone thinks, like, this that's happening in our country is shocking, and I never could have seen it coming. And it's like, this kind of shit has been happening for a while. So, yeah. Pay attention, people. Wake up, sheep. Also, Harry Wake Potter up, gets some big shout-outs in there. Oh, so, yeah. 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 There's a whole segment where she, uh, the head of this uh, Jesus camp, which is a truly terrifying woman ministry. Yeah. Her name is, is Becky Fisher. 
And she has a whole segment where she screams about how uh, Harry Potter would have been burned because warlocks would have been burned. And by the way, yeah, he's real. a wizard, not a well, warlock. But clearly that's she didn't read the book. <laughs> um, and there's this really, there's this great moment where there are these kids like at the little cafeteria table like being filmed. And one of them's like, yeah, my mom won't let me read Harry Potter because it has um, witchcraft. And then one of the other kids is like, my mom won't let me either, but I just read it when I'm at my dad's place. And all the other kids are like, Scandal. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I can see why that mom and dad didn't work out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, just, like, something as small as that, like, that series had a huge impact on me as a child. And, like, to think that kids were made to think that the series itself was evil in some way is, like, strange. Um, I mean, the, the so author... Yeah. That's my... Has some issues. But yeah. Let's... That's a whole, <laughs> that's uh, whole other It's a whole other thing. level. Um... That is yeah. different. I don't like to think about it. Anyway. Yeah. It's depressing. Um, I also, I'm going to say wrote because this is the future and it'll be done later. But at this point, I haven't written it yet. But by the time yeah. you listen to this, I have written um, a blog post about The Hunt, which is one of the movies that was um, in theaters when all of this went down and has been released early at home. So, yes, I spent $20 on it to rent. <laughs> but, you know. Nice. A movie that yeah. was almost canceled. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, this is a, this is speaking of politics. This is a movie that has a lot to do with about politics. And there's been a lot of controversy about the message in this movie. Um, and so I'll be talking about that. Oh, well, I'm excited, I'm excited to write it. Me Hopefully too. I don't disappoint you. So. Yeah. Uh, next on the podcast, our next other episode is going to be about devs. Woo! The FX limited series directed by Alex Garland. Who's leading the episode about devs? Tis me. Tis me, and Tis I have Kelly. not watched any of it yet, but I advocated I'm, strongly for us to talk about this. So. I'm so excited to talk about it that I'm just like, I don't care who's yeah, leading it. it. <laughs> I will introduce it. No, I'm glad you did, because you're the only... I mean, actually, Emily has been watching it, too, but uh, you... Yeah, you okay, need to I gotta, start, I gotta start there's that a lot this weekend. happening, um, and I feel like I need... It's a lot to take in. I'm probably, like, after you watch it, you're probably going to want to maybe, like, revisit some of it or, like, read some things about it because, like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't surprise me that a show coming Mm -hmm. from Alex Garland is a lot, um, considering the other things he has made. Uh, Ex Machina. We love Annihilation. And so it is streaming on Hulu. It is not finished yet, but it will be soon, I believe. Last episode comes out tomorrow. How many episodes okay, are in the series? I believe eight. 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 Yeah, I can do that. Is I don't have any other plans. Tomorrow, you I think so. Yeah. Um, and the there last what? one. Yeah. I'm not ready. <laughs> we gotta be ready. It has uh, some people so on it, stuff. but notably Nick Offerman is on the show, if that uh, makes you want to watch it. And I'm just going to say this. He's really good. I believe yeah. it. I think he's Wow, great. what a hot take, Mary. Hot take. Nick Offerman, Nick Offerman is, good is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but 
yeah. watch it and listen to our episode. And then our next book episode is a book with a be. similar title to the one we just talked Hilarious about. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but it lined up this way. <laughs> the number but nine is popular right now, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ninth, Ninth House. House by Lee Bardugo, which is yeah, the yeah. first in a series um, following a character named Galaxy, aka Alex Stern. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. I have not, no, um, I've name. purposely tried not to read too much about it, but all I can say is that she's a freshman at Yale and there are some secretive houses. And I assume the Ninth House. Is the one she's involved with somehow. So with <laughs> all that, brilliant. love all that. I love it. But I love a school story. This book, I love, I love mystery. Cults. When I picked this book, it was originally supposed to happen quite later in our list, but we found out that it was picked up by Amazon for a TV series, so we mm-hmm. scooted it up. Um, and that's how these two books with really similar names and similar places, a uh, ninth house, <laughs> became back to back. So. Well, this one is located yeah. on our planet, yeah. so that's yeah. Yes. It's more. It's a. But the stories are. I've read that. I mean, I think there are some fantasy elements here too, but it does seem grounded at, in our reality because Yale exists. So, yeah. I mean, I guess Yale exists. <laughs> I've never seen. Sorry, Google. Yeah, I've never been invited say, like, to that's you. Very grounded in my reality because you know, you guys, I spent a lot of time at <laughs> Yale. So yeah, we went to Southern Miss, um, yeah. the, the Yale of the South, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> the Yale of Southern Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Yale of South Central Mississippi. Yeah. Um. The Yale of Hatties. <laughs> Everywhere can be the Yale of somewhere want- if you believe That's in true. it. Make it small enough. If it's the only Make place there. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about this say- this next book. As well. Yeah, me it's too. great. And I like Dude. the snaky cover. Yeah. There's a snake. I just it's been sitting on my shelf waiting to be read. I just ordered it. Hopes and prayers <laughs> for me that I don't have to read this book on my phone. Um, yeah, it's about the same length. I'm going to so. do audiobook for this one. So. <laughs> um, I also want to thank Leah. Thank for being you for here. having me. Yes. It's so great to have you. Um. Do you want to plug your blog or your Instagram? Sure. Um, you can find... <laughs> or other projects? Of course. You're I'm on? not working on much other than the usual stuff because of, you know, the crisis and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But as always, you can find me at wildreadingandwalking.com, which is my blog. Or you can also find me on Instagram at wildreadingandwalking for book reviews and recommendations and general discussions of mental health in this and other times so check it out and very cute photos of you reading oh, and walking thank you. which i always enjoy yes. on my feet i appreciate that you enjoy <laughs> them because they're very hard to take so. <laughs> i've wondered that i've wondered like how does she take these pictures like do you have a secret photographer is this just like very you're very good um, at self time do you throw your phone in the air and quickly press um, the button? a little bit of all three <laughs> Um, so in Spain, like, a lot of the, like, really good pictures from Spain, I, like, had a photographer because I was solo traveling and I never get good photos of myself. Like, like, you know, like, far out. Yeah. And professional. And, like, I have, always have, like, the nice camera and I'm taking great photos of, like, strangers in front of the cathedral. I'm like, it would be nice to get one of me. Mm -hmm. So I got, like, an hour with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, usually it is just me either just like stretching my arm to the full extent that's possible to go or putting it like precariously on like a wall or staircase somewhere and then backing up and like timing it and then running back and pretending I'm just casually reading and then running back and then setting the timer again and then running back and hoping it works. I mean, they always look great. I love this peek behind the curtain. Yes. Um, as usual. I don't have long arms either. I have short arms. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it harder. I have like freakishly long arms considering my very short height. Kelly, you need to start a blog or start an Instagram where you take I'm stealing your idea and I'm making it myself. (laughs) You got it. It'll be okay. It's going to be called while while reading and standing. (laughs) <laughs> just like in the middle arms, in the middle of the sidewalk arms. somewhere just standing and yeah, reading like just... a full book <laughs> yeah I just came out here so that I could stand and read this book um, <laughs> not going anywhere standing right here <laughs> you can find us at booksquadgoals.com you can visit us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter we are at booksquadgoals on those social media platforms you can email us at thesquad at booksquadgoals.com with any comments or questions you may have our blog is booksquadgoals.com slash blog Um, I know that would have been really hard for you to figure out from just going to the homepage you should also definitely subscribe to our podcast. You can search Book Squad Goals. I know you probably know this if you're listening, but search it on any podcast app you have. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Overcast. You can find us on Stitcher. Literally anything you use, we're, we're there. And if we aren't, please email us and let me know because I worked pretty hard to make sure we were on it. Yeah. Um, and you should definitely give us a rating and a review while you're at it because that will help other people find us. And we would love for other people to find us, especially in this time when people need shit to do and shit to distract themselves. Perfect time to discover a podcast. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much, Leah. Yes, thank you, Leah. And stay safe out there, people. (laughs) 